What's happening? What's happening? What's going on, blues people? Now, I'm at a slight snafu because all of my programs are under the umbrella of Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. However, we have the Jack Dapper Blues Radio and we have the African American Folklorist. Jack Dapper Blues Radio tends to try to keep it to the music, even if we discuss history and culture of the music. And the African American Folklorist just tries to keep it to the folklore. Uh, history, heritage, culture, and the study, and the this and the that, and everything that goes along with it. However, I have a guest today that actually, how can I say this? He 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 plays both sides of this fence with 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 the work that he does. Um, I'm really interested in in and excited to have this conversation because I grew up. Uh, my mother was a teacher. I grew up on Ezra Jack Keats. And I'm getting a hint of Ezra Jack Keats from my current guest's work. So without any further ado, please let's welcome my guest, Mr. Gary Golio. How are you, sir? I'm good, Lamont. How are you, man? I, I'm 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 well. You know, I, I'm well. I'm excited to get to speak to you because um, there's so many questions. There's just so many questions. I, I checked your website out, and the books that you've produced and published, as well as this latest one we're discussing, um, which is about the legend blind Willie Johnson. I'm trying to figure out, and I'm never usually at a loss of where to begin. I'm I'm trying to figure out, should we start with what inspired you to fill this lane? Who inspired you? Or should we just jump into blind Willie? I'm kind of hinting towards what and who inspired you to fill this lane. Let's start there. All right. Um, you know, I play electric blues guitar myself. Uh, that's what in- inspired me to write my first book, which was about the early years of Jimi Hendrix growing up in in Seattle, because a lot of people don't realize that, as, as Jimi said himself, his music, as psychedelic as it was, was rooted in the blues. Now, I don't know. One thing I do not know, I know a good deal about Jimi, but I don't know if he ever heard the songs and music of Blind Willie Johnson. Mm. I know that living with his father as a boy, he heard a lot of amazing blues stuff. He heard Muddy Waters and and Howlin' Wolf and Lightning Hopkins and all those people. But I think he would have loved Willie Johnson's music because the man is, is complete. He's the real deal. And he's raw. He's tender. He's every emotion you can think of, and it's it's the straight stuff. And what inspired me was a few articles that I read in the last 10 years by two Texas music journalists, uh, Michael Corcoran and Michael Hall, writing about all these people, most Mm. of them 
just laymen, you know, just like blues lovers going out in Texas, southeast Texas, looking around in in um, in town halls and newspaper archives and wherever they could find some information like census data and birth records to, to try to find out more about this mysterious guy, Willie Johnson, who's whose work is just, you know, I, I imagine a lot of your audience knows, uh, you know, Dark Was the Night, mm-hmm. um, Soul of a Man, mm-hmm. uh, John the Revelator, Nobody's Fault But Mine. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these songs have been covered by Nina Simone mm-hmm. or uh, Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jack White, Lucinda Williams, some really great players. And, it's no accident because he's he's like a source. He's like a fountain of beautiful, beautiful feeling and playing and that's slide guitar. There really isn't anybody like that, you know? Right, right. No, I mean he, he was a extremely unique uh musician and I kinda liken him to uh Henry Thomas, if I'm saying his name correctly, and, and Mintz Lipcomb, Mance Lipcomb, because they were a conduit of of um, early African American traditional music and introducing yeah. it to a, a new—I don't even want to say generation, but but you know, turn of the century stuff that that came all the way up until he died. So, with that being said, and and having his deep. Texas roots, I guess we can circle back to you because I still want to get the rest of you because like I said, are you familiar with Ezra Jack Keats, by the way? Oh yeah, man. I mean, he's, he's like one of the great lights. I mean, he's, uh, you know, like myself and, and I can explain a little bit about why this is, you know, almost all my books are about black subjects, whether it's, Charlie Parker, Billy Holiday, Dizzy Gillespie, John Coltrane, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, I have a book on Charlie Chaplin, and I got one coming out on Walt Whitman, and I did one on Bob Dylan, but still. And Carlos you know, Santana. I, and Carlos Santana, yes, that's right. And But, you know, I really feel that, you know, that white people, it's really time to acknowledge that so much of the American songbook of American entertainment, of American music in general, blues, jazz, pop, rhythm and blues, soul, all of that stuff. But even popular music, if you ask Frank Sinatra, who was his favorite singer? He would say Billy Holiday. I mean, this the music that came out of Africa is the is the root it is the foundation of American music and the, the books that I write are really, you know, uh, kind of an homage to, to that force. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I do. And that was actually a great segue to your current publication of Blind Willie, uh, Dark Was the Night, because my question, which you just answered after reading it, what was it a homage to his life? Um, and it is a children's book, correct? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is a it is a picture book illustrated by a fine artist and a, and a very celebrated 
black artist who's won just about every award, you know, because his work is full of feeling. And he had to, we don't know that much about Willie. So he had to, and we only have one photo of him when he was like 30 years old. So, you know, uh, Earl E.B. Lewis Mm -hmm. had to spin all of those images of him as a boy, as a child, as a young man. And, um, you're right. I mean, we did this, Earl and I did this because we wanted it to be a tribute to Willie. And for me, one of the most important things, you know, and, and we don't often talk about it, is the spirituality that that's present in a lot of music and a lot of black music. And, you know, Willie wasn't supposed to be singing the blues. He thought of himself as a gospel singer and a lay preacher. So... But the music is infused with, with you know, ideas about heaven and earth and darkness and light. And he was a blind man. So the whole idea that his song ended up on this space probe, Voyager 1, on this golden record, and it's out there in the darkness of space, well, it, it gives me the chills. And it just, that was also, you know, what inspired me to write the book. Well, you mentioned something that uh, sparks for great conversation. <laughs> Do you believe, now this may be a loaded question, but it's based on everything that you've shared thus far. Do you believe people, enthusiasts, fans, remove the spiritual aspect from the the music, the blues. And do you think that's possibly done because removing that aspect may allow you to just enjoy the music without having to be conscious of what, what, uh, where it stems from? I, that's a, that's a really great question. And I would say that, the first thing about Willie Johnson is the energy that he projects in his voice, in his playing, that comes through the record, which, you know, those records were still pretty new back then in, in 1927, those 78, they just started using an electrical process rather than just vibration with that giant cone, like on a, on a gramophone, on a phonograph that way. And um, he was, he was sending out, vibrations and energy in those 78s and those records that we hear today that you don't have to know. You know, you, you could even listen in another language. You don't have to know exactly what he's saying. I think like Jimi Hendrix used to say, the music goes into you. It goes inside of you. You feel it. It, it transforms you. It touches you. You don't always know what it's about, but some people, I mean, I, I've read a lot of stuff, a lot of forums, music forums, blues forums. People talk about how much they love his his sense of spirit and what he's talking about. Um, religious people can appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it because I feel like my life, I try to live a an ethical life. But, you know, my, my mother-in-law was a musicologist with classical music and she did not believe in God in any form at all. And yet the woman treated people 
like she followed that golden rule that's in every religion, you know, throughout the world. She treated people beautifully. And to me, that is the essence of true spirituality. And so what people get from Willie, um, I don't know that, you know, we need to like, I don't feel like you need to be that specific about it, whether they believe in Jesus or, you know, Christianity. Um, I think they get the truth from it. And the truth is, is a feeling and an energy that we're not alone in this life. Um, that's why it's beautiful that he's on that record up there in outer space because it's eternity, man. And, and it's like he's speaking about eternity and the fact that life and death don't matter. Uh, death doesn't matter because the spirit and the energy goes on and those to me that's like it says to me don't worry Gary it's okay Mm, I hear you I hear you so next question there is a um, a a phrase that's been running through the blues industry uh, and community for that matter for quite some time. There's no white, there's no black, there's just blues. Now, you made a very powerful statement earlier on in the broadcast, but I was just wondering, because when you read your your press release, you make it very clear that your your book and 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 the purpose of this story is 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 about a black blues musician. You don't just say blues musician. Why is that uh important? to you? You know, a few years ago, I wrote a book. um, And so you said before, are these books for kids? Well, they are for a young audience to inspire them, to give them a sense of hope in the world, because I was also a therapist for many years. I worked with teens who had addiction troubles. And, you know, some of those kids, they'd been beaten up in all sorts of ways, and they didn't have a lot of hope. So the books are meant to to inspire. And, you know, um, you look at somebody like Billie Holiday, and when I think about what that woman went through to sing Strange Fruit, that's what my book is about. It's about how that song came about and how she put herself on the line to sing a beautiful song that happened to be about lynching. It was a protest song. It was the foundation of the civil rights movement that came 20 years later. And, you know, when I think of this, um, you know, Billy and, and everybody, when I think about what, what Willie's doing, um, when he sings those songs, um, you know, it breaks me up because the reason I wrote the, the Billy holiday book was because so many young black men and women were dying on the streets of our country. And finally, we were seeing it because people had cell phones and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I write those books because I was just, um, I was really hurt. I was upset. I was outraged. And I feel like, um, you know, it's a matter of of making people aware of different things. 
Well, the one thing that I also noticed about your collection of books, and you mentioned this term when you were discussing strange fruit, it, it kind of looks like you are in your your lane is 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 celebrating and writing about um, those who stand in the protest song revolution or revolutionary song lane. Is is this by accident? Is this intentional? It's intentional. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel that, you know, all you got to do is, is watch Jimmy, for example, do that Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock. It's not a gimmick. Jimmy was saying something very important there about what's real. You know, killing is not real. <laughs> Killing is not a good thing to do. Uh, the history of the world is really about men killing each other. I mean, you can look through that lens and you kind of wonder what, you know, why we need to do this all the time. Right. And, you know, somebody like Jimmy, certainly uh, Billie Holiday, John Coltrane, you know, like this guy recovered from a heroin addiction. But why did he have a heroin addiction? He had a heroin addiction because he began drinking at an early age. And why did he do that? Because when he was 13 years old, all the men in his family died. He was living in North Carolina under Jim Crow at that time, you know, and he lost all the men in his life. He had to take hand-me-down books and he was on a football team. He had to take hand-me-down uniforms and everything. He had to sit in the upper balcony of a, of a movie house because he was a black boy, you know, because he was a black man. And so when you say, you know, when you asked me and I didn't answer you, I'm sorry. Um, is the blues black? Is it white? Is it, is it color neutral? Does it matter? I, you know, I don't want to sound cheesy here because I don't think that we have, even after Obama, we're not like in this, colorblind society we uh, that's obvious now and um but i think that you know a soul is a soul willie willie johnson would say a soul was a soul and if somebody's got the soul to sing the real blues which is about pain and love and feeling and being a human being and loneliness and if you want to make it about God, it's all good. Um, if you've got the soul to sing that honestly in a blues song, you know I don't really care if you're white or you're black. As long as you don't, as long as if you're not white, you don't steal royalties and credit from black creators. Which you know, that's what happens a lot. Willie got paid a few bucks for each each song. And then, you know, they sold thousands and thousands of copies. He never got any royalties for this. That happened to a lot of black creators. And, you know, other than that, if you've got the soul, man, you know, then you're a valid blues performer. So now you make mention to the, the, the power of, of this particular song that the book is title about right you also make mention that this particular song made it to space now how how important 
to you is the expression of music? Music to me is is the expression of the deepest part of the human spirit. Um, I was a I was a visual artist for many years, a landscape painter. I love painting. I love dance. I love all the you know poetry. I love all the aspects of art of the art that human beings make. But for me, you don't have to. You can be blind. You could even be deaf. You don't have to be able to see. You can hear. You don't even need the language. You can hear a piece of music and be moved to tears or joy. Um, that's the power of music. And, um, you know, that's, that's why I write these books, too. And they're... Um, that's a lot of power. You know, we, 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 we do foolish things, human beings. Um, the reason that I love Willie's song and the fact that it ended up on this satellite, you know, are there going to be like aliens that are ever going to find that space probe, the Voyager and play that golden record? (laughs) Probably not, but you know what? It, It doesn't matter. What matters to me is that people know that the song of this amazing black man who died in poverty after his house burned down and he died of pneumonia. Right. And we can't, we don't even know like where his grave is in the cemetery because he was buried in the black cemetery. He was a black man. You know, that to me is terribly sad, but despite that, the idea that this guy's, this blind, poor black man's song and amazing music ended up on this freaking space machine and it's out there in the universe. To me, that's a mind blower because that means that Willie Johnson is a black man who's a representative of humanity out there in the stars. That whole idea to me is a mind blower. Well, you know, it, it, it is, you know, because this, it could be uh, analyzed in, in multiple ways, um, in, in, in an agreeable, meaning positive way, and in a disagreeable, meaning negative way, right? Because we're, we're just based on, and I'm familiar with the story, but just based on, you know, how you just presented his story, which is the, accurate, I, I don't even know how to feel about this because I think of, you know, when you, honestly, when you just uh, uh, reiterated the story to me, I thought about uh, Zora Neale Hurston and, and so many others who gave great contribution and, and really died, not just broke and with nothing, but not even owning the contributions they've given. So this is a twofold question. Cause I don't want to, t- I don't want to take it to, to the, the, the morbid, <laughs> but I, I have to ask this in all reality, two part, two, two sided question. How, how, 
how should this be received outside of the it being so amazing should should should, it, should should people look at this as in something's really wrong or should people look at this and say you know despite everything his spirit transcended all all, all of the disagreeable frequencies that he encountered You know, I suffer on a daily basis uh, because I grieve at the suffering of other human beings. Uh, you know, I try not to, I mean, I have a lot of responsibilities. I'm taking care of elder people who, you know, in my family, in their 90s, who don't have kids and uh, anybody to take care of them. I got my wife and my daughter and all that, and I got responsibilities to friends. So, you know, I, I can't suffer you know, to the point where I get sick, but I take it very seriously. And to see people suffer is very painful. I can empathize with their suffering. I mean, that's why I was a therapist for many years. And, you know, I love the people I work with. Is is Willie Johnson exploited, for example? Of course. Uh you know, and I don't want to make light of this, you know, but all artists in this world, I think, even when they get a lot of money, they're exploited because people use them. The business uses them. Even the blues business uses its artists. Um, you know, on the one hand, I think we have to celebrate the beauty of this man, Willie Johnson, and his music because. He did suffer, uh, and he may. One of his wives, you know, said um, that they didn't take him in the hospital when he was dying of pneumonia at the end because he was blind, and she didn't say also because he was a black man. But we know that to be true, and you know that happened to to Billy Holiday's father as well. Uh, he was a jazz guitarist. They didn't take him to the hospital. They tried a bunch of hospitals, but they wouldn't accept him because he was a black man. And now, the suffering of living human beings is ongoing every day. Um, but then again, Willie's suffering, we have to remember, and especially if we believe in something beyond the physical, we believe in some kind of spirit that transcends this life and this planet. Willie's suffering is over. Um, I think we should acknowledge it. I don't think we should dwell on it too much because the beauty of what he did, I think, his music, you know, the fact that we have this amazing technology that allows us to hear the voice of this man when he was recorded in 1927, 1930. Um, I think we have to celebrate it for his sake. and. You know, big boys and girls that we are, we have to acknowledge that there's always going to be exploitation of people who are creative and have something unique to give in this world. They're going to be ripped off um, in some way or other. That's just like, <laughs> that's part of the nature of this planet, I think. Unfortunately, at least of an extreme version of capitalism, but let me ask you, as a therapist, and, and 
listening to uh, you share your answers to my question, questions, plural, um, through your experience, through your study and appreciation of, of the Willie and, and the several people you wrote about, I mean, you know, Billie Holiday, a lot of her life people don't even uh, discuss because it was just, you know, I mean, since she was a little bitty girl, her, her, um, unfortunately, you know, she was already set on a path due to circumstances, you know, so with all these things being said, do you think if people stop, and now this is more philosophical than, than musical or, uh, music history, but I think they uh, coexist, right? Do you think if if people would stop um, one upping who's who had it the worst or things like this, we can find a common ground and maybe not have to discuss race so much, but more discuss healing? Lamont, I think I think that's beautiful, man. I'm with you. Um, you know, the things I've seen in the last several years, I mean, it's just, it's nothing new. If you're a student of history, whether it's the history of this country or, or the world, you know that all of this awful stuff that we've been through uh, Human beings have been doing this stuff for thousands of years. At the same time, they've been doing beautiful things. Um, and you can't separate philosophy from life and from music. And, you know, um, yeah. I mean, when I read, like, you know, because I used to be a therapist dealing with people who had addiction troubles, you know. And I see a book come out. Oh, it's the new book. And, it's you know, everybody's all excited. And it's just, you know, somebody's telling a horrible story, to tr- like you said, to try to one-up, to be the, the next, you know, most outrageous story about all the terrible things they did and the terrible things that happened to them. Okay, great. You know, and now you're, you're sober, you're clean, whatever you are. That, that's cool. You know, um, I'm glad. I really respect that. But why do we need to do that? You're right. Why don't we talk more about the best? books like that, the best memoirs about recovering from addiction, abuse. I worked with a lot of people who had been physically and sexually abused. You know, let's talk about healing. And and that's, of course, music plays into that, too. And you're right. You know, in my book, I don't my book about Billie Holiday and Strange Fruit, there are no nooses hanging there. You know, we don't show anything because kids, you don't, you know, kids aren't ready for anything like that. And the story is about the power of art and how people came together, the composer, the song composer, the club owner, and Billie to present this song as a work of protest and beauty. Uh, So, you know, you can't, tell kids about what happened to Billie Holiday when she was young. And, you know, I just say in the book that some really, some really bad things happened to her. And 
she ended up going to jail for things that weren't even her fault because that's what they did in those days. And did she ever recover from that? No, but she still, she persisted in making beautiful music and like that came straight from her heart. So, you know, I don't think we need to be defined by what happens to us in this life as much as what we choose to do, um, how we behave toward other people, uh, how we use our time, and also the words that we choose to, to use with others. Um, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, a goody two-shoes here, you know, um, but, but it's true. The way you treat other people, you know, I, I have a book coming out next year about Sonny Rollins. Mm. And, um, I've been, I, I interviewed him about two and a half years ago on the phone because he's, he's, you know, he just turned 90, uh, last month and he was, you know, he's had some health troubles. He doesn't play anymore, but sharp as a tack. And the guy, for example, the guy doesn't want to talk about music. He's mm. not interested in talking about this stellar career. You know, like he's up there with Coltrane and Miles Davis and Charlie. He didn't want to talk about that. There's only one thing that he wants to talk about, and that is spiritual life. He's a yogi, man. And, you know, he's fast and he prays every day, and he just wants to be a decent human being. He doesn't need to be a saint. He just wants to be a decent person who treats and speaks to other people in a kind, considerate way. And like you said about healing, if we spent more time doing that and teaching kids to do that, rather than, you know, making money, getting famous, being a celebrity, you know, that stuff is a side effect of the work you do in the world. If somebody gives you the Nobel Prize or the Peace Prize because you've you've been feeding the hungry for, for 30 years and you live in poverty and that that's great, man. You know, that's the truth. If you become famous from that, okay, fine. You know, but you can't aim at stuff like that. The only thing you should really aim at, and this is Willie Johnson to a T, you got to just aim at being a good person. Well, I, 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 I agree. Um, I, my, my, my question now would be, in your study of Willie, and Willie, I mean, you know, between Mississippi and Texas, these are like the last places to relinquish uh, a system that was uh, detrimental to um, African Americans or uh, Black Americans, or however the term is at this point in time. Um. And I say that because people identify with different things. So I, I don't want to, I'm trying, I try not to paint everything with such a broad brush, but how would you think Willie, even though his, he, I don't want to say his goal, even though his music touched uh, a, a vast amount of people, how do you think he felt in those, in those days uh, dealing with these things and not being able to get 
the proper medi- uh, medical treatment because possibly, possibly if he was, he may have not been blind. Well, you probably know how he went blind, or at least how the story goes. Um, you know, when he was when he was young, maybe about five years old, six years old, his mother died. He was very close with her, and then his father remarried. And one day, his father came home and found his new wife uh, with another man, and he beat her. And in retaliation. She threw some lye, you know, lye used to make soap, very caustic stuff. She threw that across the room. I don't think she meant to throw it at Willie. She threw it at the father, and Willie got that stuff in his eyes. That's the story, you know, um, when he was about seven or eight. So, you know, you're asking questions that nobody ever asked me, and I really like that, but, you know, uh, I'm amazed that your audience, you must have an amazing audience to listen to, to us talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I lost track. I'm sorry. So get me back on track here. Um, right. So now I, I say that considering he may have been able to see, meaning if he okay. was able to get the proper medical treatment right. because he wasn't, I mean, you know, lie is something that even in this day and age more than likely couldn't be uh, combated. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm being a, a bit, I don't say uh, salacious, but I think you understand what I'm saying. How, does he, how do you think uh, in your study of him, he, he felt, even though in, in this time, in, in his growing up, in, in, in Jim Crow, you know, like... Texas, you know, the last place to quote unquote emancipate until people just pretty much found out a couple of years ago, Mississippi just <laughs> emancipated. So how do you how do you think, even though his music transcended and reached so many people, uh spiritually, emotionally, uh possibly even morally, but he still had to deal with the particular uh, day in and day out treatment. Yes, and I think uh, the beauty of Willie Johnson, and this is the way I worked with my clients when I was a therapist, um, never deny, don't push away the darkness, don't be ashamed, don't worry, uh, own it. And I think that Willie must have had some dark days uh, being a blind man, being a black man, being, you know, uh, a lot of times being a poor man, um, being a man and not being, re- you know, respected or valued as a man. I'm sure he had some dark days. And the reason I'm sure of that is because how could he create that? That voice speaks of truth to me. That voice is the voice of somebody who knows pain and suffering and yearning for a better world, for a better life. Um, how did he feel? You know, uh, this is certainly not in the children's, in the, in the book that I wrote, you know, because it's too much for kids. But so his house burns down. His house was a little house. It was called the House of Prayer. He was a lay preacher. He lived there with his wife. 
and uh, the house burns down. And, you know, to their credit, the white firemen, I assume they were white, they came and they put out the fire. The house was soaking wet. The bed was soaking wet. Everything he had was soaking wet. And he and his wife put down newspapers on their soaking wet mattress. And that's where they went to sleep that night. And, you know, that's kind of hard to imagine to begin with. But, of course, that's a good way to get sick. And he did. And he got, you know, probably got pneumonia. That's kind of what the the death certificate hints at, it says, you know. And um, what did he think? Did he know he was dying? For about two weeks, he was sick. He was probably getting worse every day. Was he cursing his fate? I don't think so. I think it was painful. He may have wondered why me, why is my life ending like this? Did I did I offend you, Lord? I don't know, you know, in his mind, what was he saying? Um, and yet, I don't think he was worried. I think he truly believed that he was, you know, an immortal soul, that it was all going to be fine. This was a way station, you know, this life. He came here, he did his thing, and then he was moving on. But I don't think he ever denied the pain of what his life was. I mean, yes, Sonny Rollins, Sonny Rollins believes in karma, uh, you know, and destiny, and uh, so do I. And why Willie was given the life he was given um, he chose to use his talent and to work with other people and to give a message of hope. Okay. Uh, but he was given a tough life to live, maybe to develop him on some level and also to, because he had, he had the stuff. He was made of, you know, strong enough stuff that he could do it. And, uh, uh you know, and I'm not saying like, you know, once again, a black person who suffers like, oh, you know, we admire them and, and that, you know, no, I'm not saying like, you know, that's all his life was about so that we could admire the, his strength. But I think that he was a man of strength and also he wouldn't have been afraid to admit to doubts and dark days. And Dark Was the Night is based on a hymn about when they lowered the body of Christ from the cross and put it in the ground. Um, you know, so I That's don't think right. Willie was afraid of the dark, right? Right, <laughs> right. Right. You know, um, and that's something else I would like to touch on uh, before we uh, come to an end. This, the style you utilized to write this, like I mentioned earlier to you, to me it seemed like a homage. It's, it reads as if you're speaking to him, what, what, how he's affected you or what you've seen in him. Am I in the ballpark here? Oh, you're, you're absolutely right, man. That's, that's what it's all about. One day that thought came to me and I was like, you know, because I, I try to write each book with a different voice, you know, like a writer's voice. A writer has a voice. Some people always have the same voice. That's cool. You know, like some actors, they're really always the same. Some actors are different in every role. I try to make each book with a different voice. And I thought, I'm going to write this in the second person singular, which means like I'm saying Willie 
you, you know, I was speaking to Willie. To me, it was like, depending on what you want to believe, you know, uh, spiritually or whatever, I was speaking to his ghost, his spirit. I was speaking to his legacy. I was speaking to him almost as if I was saying, hey, man, sit down, take a load off. Uh, you've come back for a few minutes. Let me tell you what happened with you and your life and how it ended up. And I'm glad you asked me this because one of the things that I feel the strongest about in his story is that for kids especially, his life is an example of a life where that says to you, you never know what your influence is on other people. Some people feel like, why do I bother trying to be good or do something good in the world? Because who cares? And, you know, you never know who you're going to affect and the influence that your life will have. And materially, you can look at Willie's life and the way he ended up, it's pretty sad. It looks like the end of the story. and It looks like a failure on some level, but it wasn't. Because beyond the misery of this life and the suffering that we have, all of us, in some way or other, no matter how much money or fame you have, uh, you know, there is this thing that remains which says you've touched somebody's life. You've touched another person's life. And the greatest compliment to Willie is how many lives he's touched in a beautiful way, I think. Well, that's actually very biblical, um, if I may put it frank. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes, and I, I definitely dig and understand that. Um, how did you meet Mr. E.B., by the way? Oh, we, uh, well, let's see. This book came out this year. I think about four years ago, we were both invited to a bookstore in Philadelphia, and um like a panel of, of people who write books for kids. And um, he's like a famed illustrator. He's won Coretta Scott King Awards and Caldecott Honors and all these, and, you know, he's like really celebrated, but he doesn't care about it. He, you know, he, he makes a fine living. That's all good. But if you knew him, you know, you should talk to him, man. He's an amazing dude. And uh, we just sort of clicked. And when we got home, my wife and I, I said, you know, I just wrote this story. I wonder if this guy, Earl, you know, Earl E.B., uh, if he'd be interested. Uh, I've never worked with him. So I, I wrote him. He read it and he said, send it to my editor, to this editor that I work with. Tell her I want to do this book. Mm. And so that's how it happened. And so I went to her with both my story and him attached as a, as the artist. And he and I have become, uh, it's like the brother from a different mother, you know, <laughs> we've become very, very close, man. And, um, I feel a real connection, you know, I mean, if you believe in past lives or anything like that, I feel like we've, we've got a connection beyond this time. And, um, we're doing two other books together in the next few years, one of them, interestingly, is because he wanted to do it. It's about, uh, my story is about Walt Whitman, mm. uh, his nursing experience as a nurse in the Civil War. And this is a guy who sat at the bedside of tens of thousands of men 
as they died. Black, white, northern, southern, didn't matter. The man had such a heart. He didn't get anything for doing this. He didn't do it for fame or anything else. He did it because he was so upset about what was happening to his beloved country and what he believed America represented. Um, anyway, and, and so Earl said, I want to do this. You know, there's going to be a lot of white people in there. It's not a book about a black person. He said, that's why I want to do it, mm. because it was about the Civil War. And the real reason that we fought the Civil War, people can paint it in different ways, but the truth is, we wanted some cheap labor, man. And, you know, we not only used the music of Africa, we used the labor of Africa to, to make wealth. And um, so Earl and I really work well together. And I think if your listeners just go online and just like look at E.B. Lewis, if they just Google image that and see the quality of this man's feeling that he puts into these these portraits and these subjects and his work, um, I think Willie would have been really touched to see how he was portrayed in this book. I'd have to agree. Um, I liked uh, the story, how it read, and I, 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 I really liked the uh, illustrations. And, and I think uh, those together is um, why I keep bringing up Ezra Jack Keats. <laughs> Hey, wow, that's a huge compliment, man. Yeah. So now I'm going to link um, your um, uh, links website and things to the pub, uh, the published program as well as eBeebs. But why don't you share with the good people where they can find you, your works, and even if they, I don't know, may want to reach out. Well, you know, I love it when people uh, patronize like their local bookstores, man. You know, I mean, when we were kids, you know, I assume you're you're not like twenty years old. Oh either, no, so, no, you no, know. I'm not. <laughs> so I'm in my sixties. You know, when we were kids, there was a bookstore, at least one bookstore, if not more than one, in every town. People mm -hmm. went bought books, and I love it if they go buy these books. You know, you can get my books at regular bookstores, go, go, you know, patronize a, a local bookstore. But if you can't do that, especially now because of the virus or wherever you are, you know, you can get them at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get it at Walmart, Target, you know, you can get the books there. Um, but you can, you know, you can order them online and stuff like that. Groovy, groovy. Well, listen, Gary, it was great discussing this with you what's now remind me your next upcoming book is it the walt whitman one or do you have one coming up before that no i got one next year with another wonderful wonderful artist another african-american artist james ransom who's also a really celebrated and wonderful uh, artist who's putting a lot of humor into what i wrote which is kind of like a poem about when when Sonny Rollins left the business in 1959, he was at the top of the of the heap, and he, you know, he he had gotten clean, and he walked away from the business, from the money. He said, "I don't want to be there right now. It doesn't feel good." People, and he said, "The voice inside of me said, I'm just not 
as good as everybody says I am. Now, who would do that? He did that because he listens to that small voice inside of himself and wow. he follows it. You know, I mean, he also once or twice went to India to study, you know, he was, he's not your typical musician, you know, but, um, there's a man with tremendous energy and, um, you know, that's the book that, you know, that's coming out next year and, uh, it's got humor in it. It's about when he went up every day after he left the business, he lived, uh, in the, on the Lower East Side in Manhattan and he was right next to the, um, the Williamsburg Bridge. He'd walk up there and in those days it wasn't cool and fun. You know, it was a, <laughs> there were no bicycles, you know, it was a gritty place with the, you know, the subway train moving back and forth and the fog horns of the tugboats down in the river. And, you know, the, he, he was playing to the clouds. He was playing to nature. He was echoing the, the sounds of those fog horns. He was playing a little clickety clack of his keys on the, on the instrument, uh, to the, to the metal rumbling of the trains on the tracks. I mean, you know, uh, and I think James Ransom's going to put some beautiful, I've seen the sketches. I think they're going to be humorous and fun and also beautiful. And, um, hopefully Sonny will still be alive next year. He'll be 91. And, uh, you know, I hope he gets to see it. You know, I hope so. I hope so as well. I also hope to get you back on here so when it's out, we can discuss that book. I would love that, man. That would be great. Groovy, groovy. Well, again, it was great having you as a guest. You too, man. I tell you, you really, uh, you must have an amazing audience out there to be discussing. And, you know, you're asking these questions and, you know, most people would say, Gary, you know, why did you write this book? And, uh, you know, do you play guitar? And, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, the questions you've been asking, Lamont, are just like, uh, it, it goes straight, you know, to what I love, man. It's, it's the truth. Um, I didn't have to worry about, you know, like talking about certain things. And uh, it's all good. And um, kids, you know, kids man it's like that's the future you know hopefully they'll take over where we leave off and uh i wish that you know i hope they make it a better world you know what i mean yes i definitely do i i, I the only thing i would disagree with is i don't want them to pick up where we left off <laughs> i want them to take a whole different approach <laughs> Oh, they, they should be, they should start out a, like twice as high as we are and just aim for the stars, man, you know? That's right. And I, and I definitely appreciate uh, your, your compliment and encouragement as well as the compliment of the audience. There's a most important aspect of the show besides the guests, and they are very smart. You know, um, just on a side note, you know, I, I there are some that obviously do not believe their audience is too bright. And I, I think that's uh, a disservice, not only to the audience, but to yourself. But I, I, I have a beautiful audience. Uh, I thank God personally. And they, they definitely are in tune. And uh, we, all of us, 
appreciate you in that statement. And with that being said, sir, you guys know what it is. Jack Dapper Blue slash the African-American folklorist because this particular topic doesn't even dance the line. It is both heritage, culture, trajectory of a history as well as music and legacy. And we will be speaking with, seeing, and talking to you all later on.